welcome to this London Property Alliance podcast, keeping CPA and WPA members informed and engaged during lockdown. I'm Kira Daffy, an asset manager at CBRE Global Investors and a member of the WPA NextGen Committee. Today, I'm joined by Liz Peace, CBE and Sue Brown. Earlier this year, Liz and Sue, two doyen of the property industry, were appointed as the new chair and managing director of Real Estate Balance the campaign group for gender equality in the real estate sector. Both women have held a number of esteemed roles in the sector, with Sue most recently being executive director at London First, responsible for property, planning, the environment and development. And Liz is the former CEO of the British Property Federation and Government Property Agency, amongst many other prestigious positions. We're excited to be joined by Liz and Sue today, not only as a means of continuing our long-standing relationship and support for Real Estate Balance, but also to hear about their priorities and plans for Real Estate Balance under their new leadership. So congratulations, Liz and Sue, on your new roles, and many thanks for taking part in our podcast today. Thank you. It's great to, great to be here. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> So to kick things off, as you are the new leadership team for Real Estate Balance, what are your priorities for the organisation? And if I may also ask, how do you both see it really developing from the strong foundation set by the previous MD and chair? Right. Well, um, we, we did a little a little bit of pre-planning. So I'm I'm going to kick off with this and and talk about the sort of bigger bigger strategic picture, and then Sue's going to come in with a lot of the the practical things that she's already uh, initiated. Uh, I think it's fair to say that we're we're not looking at revolution here. We're looking at evolution. Uh, Viv and Kayla had done a terrific job working with the the managing committee, the people who started Real Estate Balanced, uh, and we don't want to. We're not changing the principles of what real estate balance is all about. We've already managed to establish a very good sort of basic data set of what's actually happening in the industry, what people think about um, diversity and doing that through our sort of our surveys. We've already established terrific contacts with a whole cadre of CEOs who are deeply committed to the uh, cause of diversity and inclusion. And we obviously want to maintain uh, both of those things. What I'm quite interested, what I'm very interested in doing is looking at how how we actually now start to sort of push this down really below uh, the CEO and sort of C-suite level. Uh, It's all very well getting CEOs and senior directors signed up to diversity and inclusion, but it's what actually happens in the in the company, you know, down in the down in the weeds. And the way I'd like to do this is trying to get on board more of the sort of middle managers and actually getting them to be both our sort of eyes and ears for what's happening and also the means of looking at how we can come up with ways of of overcoming barriers to diversity and inclusion. And then to that sort of middle management, then I think the other thing is working really closely with the next generation. Uh, Interesting, uh, you call your committee the next-gen committee, we've got our own next-gen committee. I think this is because we all absolutely realise that it is the next generation um, who are going to be key influencers in all this. And I I think if I may offer you a compliment, I think the next gen are keen to speak out uh, and uh, and are doing a really good job in actually talking about what they're thinking, talking about what they want. uh, And we'd like to sort of help them give a voice and make sure they're, they're part of actually dealing with this diversity and inclusion agenda. So, so that's the sort of big picture, not revolution, evolution, 
that reaching down into organizations and actually making a real difference throughout organizations, not just about getting the CEOs to sign up to this. But Sue's got a whole lot more uh, practical things that she wants to talk about. So I'll hand over to her. Okay, thanks, Liz. Uh, Liz, I still can't handle that your iPad says Elizabeth's iPad. It's a little bit like I, I know. Call myself I'm a bit worried Susan. about that. Who, who, who is this Elizabeth person? Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, for those of us that go through life with not using our proper names, it's quite a sort of strange experience. But anyway, every time I see it, I have to think, who's that? But anyway, um, <laughs> thanks, Liz. Um, yeah, as Liz said, we sort of, uh, I mean, Liz clearly is bringing in sort of strategic overview to the organisation and we are incredibly grateful for that. Um, I've obviously, I'm coming in on very much more of the practical side and I think one of the questions you were asking of us is how we're going to be doing things differently if you like um, and building on the incredible work that Vivian and Kayla have done before us. And I suppose in that sense, there's a couple of things that are worth mentioning, I think, in, in terms of, of, of practical things, which I think I want to do. The first thing is, I think we'll probably be um, dealing quite a lot more with the press than has previously been the case. And I think that's partly because um, my background is, I mean, I was at London First for three and a half years. Before that, I was in real estate comms for 30 years. And that's probably still where my heart lies. So we're doing a lot of work already. You may have seen last week, I had a, a column in EG. Um, Liz did a very big piece in Property Week as a senior industry leader. Um, Tony Pidgey first and then Liz, which was absolutely great. Um, so and we're going to be doing quite a lot with EG and Property Week. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then we're going to be, we'll be expand, extending through the press more generally, because obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of press impact upon our sector. So that's one thing. The second thing is there's quite a big essential difference between what, what Kayla was doing and what I'm going to be doing is that Kayla was, was a three-day-a-week person and I'm going to be full-time. So clearly, I'm going to have more time probably to engage with members. And um, that's another big thing. I think my priorities, I mean, we have somebody doing PR anyway, but as I say, Liz and I have been doing quite a lot of press work and are going to continue to do quite a lot of press work. Um, but the big thing is, um, is going to be doing lots and lots of engagement with, with members. Um, in a practical sense, we've got lots of things coming up and some of this impacts upon some of the other questions I think you've got about COVID-19. But we're doing an event on the 21st of May with, um, with BlackRock, with Avison Young, with Prologis and with EG, talking about both the positive and, positive and negative impacts of COVID-19 and lockdown. And positive impact sounds a strange thing, but for example, and I don't want to sort of anticipate this, the, the event we're going to be doing too much, but we're going to be looking at some of the beneficial impacts of, of, of COVID-19 and lockdown in the sense that one of our speakers is going to be speaking about the fact that now she gets on planes to do meetings. One of the positive things we think is going to come out of what we're going through is that hopefully people, not British Airways don't wish this, but hopefully people are going to get on planes less to go and do meetings because clearly conference calls and everything, it's showing that people can operate without sort of perhaps unnecessary flights. 
then we're going to looking, be looking at some of the negative impacts as well in terms of people's mental health and things like that. And then later on in the year, we're going to be working with members to look at lessons we can learn from Asia because they they will be coming out of, of pandemic um, sooner than we will and hopefully later on in the year again with another member looking at the way in which Europe have dealt with with this and and the way in which different European territories have dealt with this so we've got a whole series of things really lined up um, which is about involving as I say working with the press and working more with our members. So um, if that gives you sort of enough to go on for now, I think that's just where we are as of the 29th of April. That sounds really impressive. Um, as you say, we will come on to obviously discuss COVID-19 in just a moment. Um, but just looking um, back on the work you've done and especially with the networks that you founded today, such as Rewire, um, it would be really great to understand how you intend to work with partners to achieve the ambitions that you've just mentioned, um, but also what organisations like the London Property Alliance and our individual members can do to support gender balance in the industry. Do you know, I, I think it's, it, it's intriguing, isn't it, or that, that how a movement sort of starts and, that, and suddenly there's a whole lot of different organisations who, who want, to, want to get involved and promote it, which is absolutely fantastic um, because it shows that everybody really, really believes in the subject. But you then get the other side of the coin. Various people say to us, oh, you know, there's too much duplication. Why should we support this organisation and not support that organisation? Um, so I think it's really important that we do build alliances with other key players in the property industry, like the London Property Alliance, WPA and, and, and CPA, uh, so that we can share share what we're doing, share out what needs to be done. We don't all need to be doing the same thing. So for example, in uh, real estate balance, we see ourselves as very much a campaigning organisation. You know, I, I want to call us a campaigning organisation. We're not just a networking organisation. We don't just run events. We run the events with the purpose of actually campaigning and and changing the world. There are lots of other people out there who do other aspects of diversity and inclusion, who provide fabulous networking, especially for the young, younger people, who provide uh, training, um, education, confidence building, you know, all these sorts of things. We're happy to support them, but we'll let the ones who are really good at it do, do what, they, what they need to do. So I think it is all about trying to collaborate and trying to uh, show the industry that we're not wasting their time or their resources. Uh, we're all on broadly the same uh, set of strategic objectives here. Um, I think there's some specific sort of partnering things we're doing. I'll perhaps um, come back to come back to Sue because she's been talking to a lot of our partners, particularly in the press. Sue, do you want to uh, chip in here? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, I mean, the immediate thing to say is, um, I mean, my background has been very much about working in partnership. And certainly, um, you know, when I was at London First, which was my most recent job, I've been doing a lot with WPA and CPA. And I think what WCPA and CPA do is, is incredibly impressive. And I think, as Liz said, we're not in the game of, you know, trying to put other people out of business. It's all very much about collaboration. And I mean, since you talked about the fact that, you know, you've been doing things with Charlie, I've just written a note to myself to so, so that I can talk to Charlie, who's running our next-gen committee, or chair of co-chair of our next-gen committee, to see what, um, you know, what she's been doing with you so we can put that in the newsletter we're currently putting out. 
So, um, as Liz said, I mean, in addition to the sort of, you know, the event I just talked about in relation to COVID-19, we're doing a big, um, we're doing a big speed mentoring event with Property Week, which we're going to be running at the end of May. We've gone to a series of mentors, senior people in the industry, throughout the industry. Um, I'm very thankful that Liz is going to be one of those people who is going to work with, you know, again, the next gen sort of committed, next gen generation is probably the easiest way of putting it. Um, there's a whole, obviously, you've got a next gen committee. We've now got a next gen committee. There's other people who are running next gen um, committees and events, and we'll be looking through that. But yeah, the whole the whole process is collaborative. And I think um, certainly what's in my head is in some ways, if I say it doesn't matter where it comes from, I mean, clearly it matters that you have proper organisations. But I think it's what Liz says, we are a campaigning organisation. It's very much about engendering debate. It's very much about making sure that everybody in the industry is having these conversations. Um, I mean, we were talking to a new member on Monday, myself and a colleague, and this member was saying that, um, you know, they see themselves as being very, they see themselves as, uh, it's all about a meritocracy. But there's obviously issues about unconscious bias in organisations. It's very much about making people aware. And I think, you know, what has happened at Real Estate Balance, um, we know from the surveys that we've been doing, because we're very much database, we're very, you know, it's based on proper information, that over certainly the last survey, which was done two years ago, we're just starting to build up to doing our survey towards the end of the year now, which we do with Grover and PwC. But, you know, senior people, and I think this is true in the industry generally, often at CEO level, you have big commitment to diversity and inclusion. Um, and then I think all of you in the next gen generation, um, you know, you've got it as well. Um, as Liz said, one of the things we want to do now is work with the people who I suppose are in the middle, who are often both, you know, at a point in their career where they're pushing them their way up and are often managing childcare as well. So I think that sort of middle ranking, those middle ranking people now, uh, we're also very aware of and a lot of things we're doing are going to be making sure we're including those people as well. But as I say, I think as well as, you know, running events and doing specific things, it's just about engendering debate and I, I genuinely think and perhaps this is because of my comms background we just have to get under people's skins really and have the conversations that's what I think we're about doing and as you both mentioned collaboration and communication is incredibly important but especially at the moment when we're physically isolated um, and perhaps now would be the right moment to really address the current COVID-19 crisis and elaborate um, especially on that next gen middle layer who's trying to manage everything and really push ahead um, so do you think in your opinion that this current epidemic and the recovery will have an impact on the work to achieve gender balance in the property industry and perhaps you could both elaborate on when there are fundamental challenges for promoting quality in this current crisis and perhaps there are some opportunities it's it's um it's usually the case you know when when there is a when, when there is a big problem if you look back at the global financial crisis 
it can often stop companies looking at some of these bigger, deeper issues that they should be addressing. I can remember after the GFC, I think sustainability rather went mm-hmm. out of the window for yeah. a, a number of years, which, which was very sad. Thankfully, it's sort of come back in spades now. I, I think as an industry, we probably learned from that, that these big fundamental changes that need to happen can't be put aside, you know, even with something as serious as COVID-19 um, con- confronting us. I really think there is now a, a, a sufficiently large and influential group of people in the real estate industry who absolutely get why diversity and inclusion is really important. And, and my own theory is that actually the companies that are going to come out of this better um, are the ones that have already discovered the value of an inclusive and diversified workforce um, with whom they already have strongly flexible arrangements. It hasn't damaged the way they do their business, the fact that they're having to work remotely because they were already uh, being flexible uh, and inclusive. And and one of the examples I used when I was doing the the Property Week interview, I mean, companies who've actually thought about how they keep in touch with people going off on their periods of statutory uh, maternity leave. Um, And of course, that could be men or women now. Um, It can be quite isolating suddenly leaving leaving your company for six to nine months. Well, it's quite isolating suddenly being put on furlough. You don't know whether you've got a job to come back to. Uh, You don't know what's going on sort of behind your back, what's happening to the things that you have been doing. Companies that have sort of put in place good ways of keeping in touch with their workforce, showing that they really care, showing that they want to communicate, that they're going to look after them, that they're thinking about them. I think those are the companies that are going to come out of this uh, a lot a lot stronger. So I remain confident that we're not going to lose the focus on diversity and inclusion. Sure, we may lose one or two companies. We may lose one or two in terms of how they do support DNI. But generally, uh, I, I am confident that this is not going to be forgotten. Yeah, I mean, I'm, um, you, you, I mean, you've gone to the heart of a current debate, haven't you? Uh, it's actually my daughter, who is herself a millennial, both my kids are millennials, Um, It was my daughter who's probably even more fervent, if that's possible, in terms of um, gender balance than I am, to say if that's possible. But she raised with me um, the fact that she thought that um, actually the fact that so many um, couples, working couples with children now are having to share childcare Mm. in a way that perhaps has not previously (laughs) been the case. I mean, I think it remains the case in Liz's, well, I mean, in listen in my generation um i mean my husband has all always sh- shared childcare but i think historically it has been the case in lots of families women have taken the lead on childcare and probably on on sort of social care more generally um but i think that um you know as i say my daughter says she knows a lot of people where working parents um and they're having to split childcare so mm. you know in lots of cases one one partner in the couple is doing mornings and the other partner is doing afternoons and i know in terms of just members that i'm talking to i will say to somebody can we talk out and ship this but i had it an example last week with one of the big investment funds um this woman said can we please speak at 2 30 because i've given up my childcare by then and handed over to my partner <laughs> so i think you know at that level i think some really good things can come out of this i mean there's some sort of naysayers isn't there there was an article in the ft last week which suggested that we might go backwards in that sense 
And there's actually an article I picked out in the Times today because we're still avidly reading the papers. And my husband had this in front of him. It's a piece by Alice Thompson in the Times today saying women are the losers when life's in lockdown. Mm. So I suppose you've got to look at um, just historically um, what's the case. Liz and I both studied history at university a long while ago, but we did both study history. And I mean, if you look, actually, First World War, you know, women went into a lot of jobs um, in the factories. And it's no mistake that we actually got the vote in, you know, immediately after the First World War finished. Great point. This this piece, it's the historian in me, Liz, a long time ago. but it's Yeah, that's really good. (laughs) Um, This piece in the Times today suggests that the same didn't happen after the Second World War. But I think it's going to be interesting to see it. What I think I take some comfort from is I'm on the Women's Network Forum at Buckingham Palace. And it's with the Countess of Wessex because she's very committed to all of this. And we did a survey of millennials um, last year and we, we looked at three groups, you know, sort of young millennials, middle millennials and older millennials. And the only group that were really parents were older millennials, was sort of 30 plus. And what was interesting is all the parents in that group were tended to be men rather than women. And all of those um, millennial males were all committed to shared childcare. And I mean, my daughter is pregnant and certainly... I think with her and her husband, there is no question that they will share childcare. I just think that your generation is different in that sense. I think you've got a much better sense of life-work balance. So I'm hoping that that will overcome some of the issues that are going to be, you know, that are going to come out of this. I mean, I, I agree with Liz. I think I obviously, I came, we've all lived through the, you know, the downturn in 2007-2008. And I remember I was doing a lot of sustainability work in the run-up to that. And sustainability almost died as a concept for a while afterwards. Let's just hope that that doesn't happen here. And there's going to be enough good practice, which is going to make a change. Well, I think that's what we've all got to hope for. But you've gone right to the heart of the debate, I think. I think lots of people are now having that debate. But I agree with Liz. I think, um, you know, again, we've just got our newsletter. We're putting it out in the next couple of days. And I don't know if you saw a piece. There's a piece out last week that said those countries with women leaders have done better than they have with men, with male ones, which is another sort of interesting, uh, looking at sort of Angela Merkel and the Prime Minister in New Zealand. It's another sort of, again, it's about engendering debate. And I think that's the game we're in, quite honestly. Can I just add one point on that? Um, and, and absolutely agree with, with, with everything Sue said and her examples are great ones but but you do come across instances of where some bad practices do do creep in you know where where people um you know could be man or woman you know is doing their child care and is under pressure by somebody else in perhaps a client organization or something like that why can't you meet now why can't you produce something you know exactly by you know 10 o'clock or something like that. Um, I, I think we all have to be vigilant about that and we all have to be prepared to call out that sort of behaviour and, and to say, you know, that is neither necessary nor good practice. So I don't think we should just, um, you know, d- just let examples of that go because, you know, they're all, there always will be naysayers or dare I say it, dinosaurs who don't quite get how the world has changed. Uh, and and we, can't, we can't let that happen. So we all have a job to do there. Definitely. And I love how enthusiastic you both are um, and how positive your outlook is on, on this matter. It's so refreshing to hear. And even just myself working from home, 
it's the highlight of my day to see one of my colleagues' kids on their lap during our team call or, you know, their cat run across their laptop, but we're still all being so efficient and just getting the job done. So it really is just lovely to see and a bit of a bright moment in our days. <laughs> but perhaps I'll just move on to some questions from the um, audience that we've received. Um, they've been really keen to hear your view on a few things. Um, and the first one comes from Priya Shah, who is the founder of Bain in Property. Um, and she says that my understanding and the perception of real estate balance is that creating a new generation of white middle class female leaders, it is great to have more females in senior positions, but in the process, have we excluded the needs of BAME women and individuals in general? By focusing efforts on creating a gender balance, other important avenues of diversity get left behind. How will real estate balance ensure that BAME people and women are included in the quest to create gender balance? Right. Well, well, just just to kick off on that one, and, and we do get asked about this about this a lot. Um, I mean, we, we started off being about gender because you've got to start somewhere. You can't do everything. Yes, I'd love to yeah. change the whole world, but, you know, you've got to, got to be a bit practical. <laughs> uh, take, take, take one sort of chunk at a time. So we were very much focused on, on looking at gender, but we always took the view that if you can get organizations to change, to accommodate a flexible approach to gender and accommodate genuine gender diversity, they will also become much better organizations for all other aspects of, of diversity. You know, it's about a fundamental cultural change of acceptance of a wide degree of diversity and inclusion. So even though we may talk gender, we, we absolutely understand that we should be looking at a much broader um, a, a much broader definition of diversity and inclusion. Uh, and I mean, clearly, BAME you know, is one issue, ethnicity. Um, I'm particularly interested in just social background. You know, the fact that we don't want the property industry populated in the future entirely by um, people who've come from a sort of middle class background whose parents were surveyors. Uh, oh, and who've done a degree at, you know, one or two of the um, uh, recognised universities there's lots of different ways of getting into into property you don't actually have to have a degree to get into property you know what are we doing to to encourage a much broader background which will also bring with it much broader ethnicity much broader uh, gender but I know also Sue feels very strongly about this she and I have had lots of uh, lots of debates about this and whilst she knows where I'm coming from in terms of not running too fast with with real estate balance I think she she would really like to um, move forward in some of these other areas so I'll let her chip in now. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I am completely committed to making sure that we're also looking at ethnicity and also looking at social background. And I mean, I think Freya asks a very sensible and proper question. What we are looking to do is make sure that whenever we're doing anything, um, I mean, I've just talked about this um, speed mentoring event we've got coming up, which we're running with Property Week. But when we put the list together of mentors, uh, we, we were very, 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 we, we looked to make sure that we were um, making sure we had people and um, from a BAME background as mentors. I mean, another thing, and it's, I mean, it's, it's the same sort of thing at one level, and I think there's another question on it, but also in, in terms of mentors, we're now looking at the way in which people, we can be doing things with people from outside London as well, because we, you know, we all of us, we're all London-based, um, and we've got to be very careful to make sure 
that we also are dealing with people who live outside London. The pro- you know, there's a very, very heavy property industry that has nothing to do with London at all. So we're certainly looking at, um, I mean, clearly here we're talking to WPA and CPA, so it you know, may or may not be the right time to raise it. But um, in answer to Priya's question, yes, we're very, very aware of this. We'll look to make sure that we are dealing um, with issues around ethnicity and race and in due course issues about social background. And our next gen committee has been set up very much to actually reflect the whole different series of groups, um, you know, in the industry. Yeah. And as you say, there there was another interesting question that almost naturally leads on to this um, in terms of recruiting people from different sectors and different backgrounds and Jack Salabang, founder of Future Places Studio, um, has said that in the London Property Alliance Next Gen Commission survey, Building Skills for the Future, most respondents felt that real estate businesses should recruit more from the social sciences sector and that roughly 75% of social science graduates are female. Um, And he asked do you think that we can tackle the gender diversity issue in the sector by recruiting a greater number of people from non-traditional real estate professions. Now, I, I think that's a, I think it's a really good point. Um, I know uh, in, in the last couple of years when I was at the BPF, uh, when we were looking very much at building up the, the private rented sector, um, we, we felt that a lot of people who would be you know, of huge benefit to delivering a quality private rented sector would be people who'd had training uh, in the hotels and hospitality yeah. uh, industry, not the real estate industry. You know, because actually it's all about customer service. So I think the the, the social sciences point is a is a really good idea, uh, and, and maybe that's one I hadn't quite thought of. But I, I think the general point is yes, we should be looking much more broadly for people to come into into real estate. Uh, I've, I've always felt what well, I felt in the past. It's been a slight, somewhat insular sector. You're sort of born and bred in it and stick with it and, and, and you know, d- disappear from it eventually. You know, wh- where is the new blood coming in from outside? We see more CEOs coming in now who are not necessarily real estate uh, real estate professionals, which again I think is a good idea, and I'd like to see some of our people exported to other industries, you know, so that you get that that sort of crossover. I think it's a really, really good point. So I thoroughly agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't agree more either. I think, um, I mean, I think now there are a number of people in the industry that are looking at this. I mean, Kieran Bird at CBRE did really well, I think, when he set up the apprenticeship scheme. But mm. I think mm. my, my son's now in the industry. He's now working at Struts and he actually did theology and classics at university. But obviously he's got two parents that are in the industry. So it was, you know, at one level, a, a natural place for him to go. As I say, Liz and I have both got history degrees, but I think the idea of having people from a whole different range of of backgrounds, a whole different range of academic backgrounds, if you like, it would be great. And this is a conversation I've been having with Sam Clary, who's obviously editor of EG, who is very committed to to back, you know different social backgrounds for people in the, in the industry. Um, we've been having a conversation for years about how you know parents want their children to become doctors or lawyers or accountants. We've got to we've got to get to a point at some point where parents want their children uh, to go into the industry and I think that um, 
there's still a lot of misconception about what property is in society at large. And strangely, I mean, this is, we can't tackle this in real estate balance as well. I mean, it's just too much. But I do think, again, it's just an awareness raising. It's about actually people being aware of what property is about. The good things that you can do in property. I mean, I've always been a, a bit of a regeneration sort of specialist. And I've worked on some schemes where I think we've really affected change. And I think that's the sort of thing, you know, I'd like us to be able to get involved in that debate as well. Not tomorrow, because believe me, we've got plenty to do without that one. But I, I do think <laughs> it's it's very important in terms of the things that we should be doing. Yeah. If I could, yeah. if I could, um, Kira, if I could just add one one thing on that. I was just thinking yeah, back sure. to, I used to be a, a, a trustee at Peabody, uh, which is a, a big yeah. registered provider. And we, we did a lot of work on trying to sort of uh, provide job opportunities for young disadvantaged people quite often they were immigrant communities you know generally with a sort of lower educational level um, and the, the sort of companies we worked with who would provide a very sort of ground level entry scheme which provided a degree of training now you know where, where the property industry can can do that and, and remember the property industry needs people to look after buildings so somebody with perhaps a low skill level could start off very much in the sort of concierge security but with training could then be built in, built up to become a really competent and good property manager uh, so you'd be accessing a whole sort of different social class. Um, and, and I know a lot, of, a, a lot of the people in the industry are looking at that within their organisations. Um, but I think it's something absolutely to be encouraged. So it's, it's not just about graduates. It's absolutely about providing careers for a much broader base of people. And then we'll gradually see a more sort of uh, socially diversified population uh, in the property industry. I was just saying that I was speaking to a member on Friday who is working with a particular charity about getting people from backgrounds that, you know, of people that might not normally have gone into the industry. And the fact that they'd had a group of, of um, young people from southeast London who they'd brought into their offices and they're starting to talk to people. And I think it's a point that Liz makes. It can be right across a range of things. But it goes back to the point, probably more general point I was making about people just not understanding enough about us as an industry. And I think that's a fairly fundamental part of what we need to do. Definitely. And there's so many opportunities to attend networking events. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I love working in the property industry in London so many different opinions out there and, and people. So, you know, encouraging people from every walk of life to join is, is really just going to enhance the industry as a whole and, you know, really raise the ideas and, and encourage everyone to create new concepts that are exciting for the industry. Um, this might lead on to actually our next question from Aneta Papil from HB Revis UK. Um, she's also chair of the CPA Next Gen Committee. And she asked that as the CPA NextGen group, they want to increase their engagement with other NextGen bodies across the sector. What is Real Estate Balance doing to specifically support younger people in real estate? And what will your leadership do to help facilitate and support these networks? Uh, um, having only been in post for a, a few weeks as, uh, as, as chair, I'm just getting to know our NextGen committee, which was something that Kayla uh, uh, did a huge amount to, to set up and get established. And Sue's also working with them. Um, and has probably met more of them than I have, even if only virtually. So I'll, I'll let you kick off with that one. Yeah, well, it's, it's the point I 
just made, you know, when I said about working with other organisations. I mean, I'm really excited about the Next Gen Committee because I think they really can take us to a different place. I mean, we've now got we've now got representatives of the Next Gen Committee on each of um, our committees that we run. In addition to being chair, Liz also chairs the Marcoms Committee. And we had our first Marcoms Committee meeting last week with our two members, you know, two representative members of Next Gen. And I think it's fair to say, Liz, isn't it, that they came up with a whole series of different thinking, which probably hadn't really occurred to us. You know, the fact that a lot of them now uh, you know, only read stuff online, which actually I should know for my own children in lots of ways. And we're now, I mean, I, the, the next thing I do is now um, I'm writing to all the members of, of Marcoms, including our two representatives of NextGen. We're going to rename our newsletter because clearly we've called it a newsletter and that's slightly old fashioned. And we're now going to sort of, we're going to give it, I, I don't think, I think it's going to be a virtual prize as everything is virtual these days in terms of who can come up with the, be, the best name. But I do think, um, you know, clearly, as I say, we're very excited about NextGen. I think they're really going to be able to influence what we're doing and they just they do change the way that you think um and because your generation you know it, it it's it's been brought up in a totally different way certainly in terms of social media all those sorts of things you certainly you all do that to a far greater extent than I naturally do for example so it's very important that we're working with your generation is your generation to make sure that we're covering all those bases isn't it and, and that's what we're looking to do now um, and we've got another committee meeting tomorrow which will be the first one with another two members of the next gen committee and they're there as full members of the committee to contribute and as I say the, the meeting we had last week um, with with the committee that Liz chairs they were really really helpful and influential and made us start thinking differently yes it was it was I, I was reflecting on that meeting we had and it was the first time the, the two from the next gen committee had come along uh, and it changed the whole sort of feel of the meeting well okay it was the first one we'd done virtually anyway but <laughs> so everything everything's changing now but um but it, it, it was it was really good to have that perspective and, and I think it I mean I, I'm, I'm not exactly a, a, a spring chicken get, get, getting on a bit and and it is very easy to to forget or or to assume uh, that the world is as you see it. The world isn't as I see it. The world is as a lot of different levels and different generations of people see it. Uh, and we really, really have to engage with this next generation uh, and, and listen to them um, and help them create the sort of world that they want to operate in for the future. It could be their world, not ours. <laughs> well. If I can speak for everyone, we're all really looking forward to all of your future events um, and all of your future panels because we love hearing your ideas. So really excited about that. Um, but just to move on to the last question, last but by no means least, um, we have a query from Charles Bagley, who is the Executive Director of the London Property Alliance. Um, and he says that, as Liz explained to Property Week recently, Supportive company culture and flexibility are key to ensuring property businesses can successfully recruit and retain more talented women. What practical help can Real Estate Balance offer businesses to achieve this, especially when our members are reviewing their business plans and company policies to plan for a post-COVID world? 
Well, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that that we at Real Estate Balance have always tried very hard to have a very practical focus. You know, a, a lot of people can talk about philosophy uh, and and how they would like the world to be, but unless you actually give people some practical help, things aren't going to change. So we we've devoted a huge amount of um, time to actually putting together our, our our toolkit, which is on our website, uh, which has a whole host of of practical information about how you, you really can change the balance of your, of your workforce. Um, we, we see it as being very much a cultural thing. You, you've got to change the culture of an organization to make it you know, accepting of what comes with diversity and inclusion, which is all about flexibility, different thinking, you know, left field approaches to things, different ways of, of doing recruitment. Uh, and you can, you can find guidance on how to do almost all of those things. Uh, within within our toolkit, which we are continually updating, and then I think it's something Sue and I will be looking at, and uh, Sue will be doing the doing part of it. That's why I love doing the strategy bit of it. Um, but you know, th- this point I made right at the beginning about trying to work with um, people within our member organisations, or indeed within anybody with anybody in the property industry, to look at what the barriers are to actually implementing all those good things we show people how to do in our toolkit, so we can get some. Re- real feedback and and then actually help people tackle those barriers if you could get a group of people around the table and say right tell us what's actually happening about this in your organization and they come up with you know five things that are not working well right now let's talk about somebody who's found a way of dealing with some of those and then those individuals can take those ideas back into their own organization i think if we could do some you know get, get groups together like that even if we have to do it virtually for the next six months um, and give people more more practical tools for actually dealing with these problems. That's how we're actually going to change things. Yeah, I mean, just to sort of add to that, I've been I'm obviously talking to a lot of members at the moment, um, you know, all virtually. Um, but um, I mean, uh, the cabinet office I've been on the phone to in the last couple of weeks, they're where they're doing some incredible things, um, really, you know, ahead of the curve in lots of ways. I mean, I mean to use the newsletter, which we're producing now in some ways, again, to start engendering the debate. I mean, none of this stuff you do overnight, but it, it does go back to this issue, as you quite rightly said, about communication and actually just raising the issue. So you ask questions that people may or may not be able to answer. But just in terms of asking the questions, I hope think you're moving the debate on. And, and that's clearly what we're in the game of doing. Yeah, that sounds really positive. Um, and perhaps instead of newsletter, maybe it could be called the Balance Bulletin. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, quite, I quite like that. <laughs> That's prize. good. It's a virtual prize. <laughs> oh, I think, I think we could, come on, Sue, we could arrange for a bottle we can of champagne put it, to be sent we can out, couldn't we? <laughs> Well, thank you so much. That that really does conclude our discussion for today. And big thanks to Liz and Sue for taking the time to join us. And the London Property Alliance are really excited to continue working with Real Estate Balance under its new leadership. Thank you, Liz and Sue.